Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves is Mr Rob Hayes. Rob, how are you? I say with a question mark and a emoji of a cheeky smile. Surviving not thriving, I believe is the phrase. You, um, let's put this in context. I've not been very well the last couple of days and I thought it was down to me badly reheating a curry from the night before. You know, you know, had a curry over by Lovely. the weekend. Uh, and then Pete texted me this afternoon saying, fancy a curry. And I almost responded thinking, oh, that's a bit strange. Why has Pete invited me out for a curry on a Wednesday night? And then I realised exactly where you, what route you were going down and I didn't fall for it. And I'm quite proud of myself for not succumbing to... Selby the wind-up merchant. Yeah, I have my moments. Yeah, Dave Rogers, who's probably not listening to this, but if you are, <laughs> uh, that's just a little private joke, which we're not going to tell anyone about, but there we go. Um, right, we better get on with it, because we've got lots to get through. It's been very busy, in, in a weird way. It's been very busy around Leicester, rather than actually um, to do with as kind of making the headlines, if you know what I mean. We'll, we'll, it's all about the Man City game. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on some players leaving the club. We'll touch on some players re-signing for the club. Uh, awards, kits, and I look forward to the next game, the final game of the season. Um, so we'll crack on straight away with Man City. An amazing game. Very entertaining in, in, in many ways because the pressure was off. And speaking from I think I think we'll just talk about Leicester I think we'll start on just with Leicester now and about how we played and then maybe the overall picture but I thought we were fantastic in terms of our defense Johnny Evans really really played well and that might sound so simplistic but he brings out the best in Maguire and those two with the two fullbacks and in Didi and Midfield, I thought as a defensive unit we were exceptional and very difficult to break down against one of the best teams in Europe and one of the best domestic sides who are probably now going to win the league that we've seen in the country for for, for years maybe decades you 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 put this side alongside and their achievements mainly due to being pushed so far by Liverpool uh, amongst the best in the modern era really and I, I just thought Leicester were fantastic maybe going forward could have could have put a bit more pressure on and, and could have taken a few more chances and hit the target on a number of occasions but overall our performance I thought was was very very good yeah I'd have to agree with that I think Manchester City have proven this season and last really what a what a dominant force they are the, the amount of times that they've put teams away three four nil and made it look extremely easy I think the one nil scoreline is testament to to the way that we defended and as you say um, we've we've spoken about the centre half partnerships before, so so we don't need to go into that in too much detail. But I thought Evans was was particularly outstanding, um, and Didi did some great defensive work in central midfield as well. Um, I think the uh, the first half was better, and, and Brendan Rodgers has said this himself as well uh, in terms of 
us executing our overall game plan. You know, we actually looked good in possession in the first in the first half more so than the second half and looked like we were actually going to build something of our own rather than camping in our own box. And I mean, the second half was was the way the, the game had to go because um, it was must win for Man City, really. So they were going to come at us wave after wave after wave and to repel absolutely everything bar a, a strike that, you know, a, a friend of the podcast, Mark Perkins, absolutely despises the use of the word unbelievable in any form of punditry, conversation or commentary or anything like that because, I mean, it's not unbelievable because it actually happened. But for want of a better word, an absolutely unbelievable strike by Vincent Company. I think that is testament to the way that we that we defended and the fact that we had a couple of very good chances to get something out of the game as well is a real positive, especially because look, Man City and Liverpool have been so far and above everybody else in the in the Premier League this season that for us to be on a par with them and us talking about the fact that we could have got something from the game is is a really positive position to be in, uh, not just right now, but in terms of building for next season and and and, and the performance levels that we can expect them. Exactly, and if you look at Leicester's chances that they had in the first half, a number of opportunities maybe to deliver a ball better into the box. There was a chance for Albright, and it would have been a very difficult ball to put across the face of goal for Vardy, but we've seen him over the years do that. And there was just one or two, again, final passes. I thought Yuri Tillemans didn't have his, his greatest game, but he was playing against an exceptional side. Second half, the obvious two would be Madison, who could have easily slid in, it would have been Albrighton on the right. For me, I actually think he took the right option because to turn down a shot at goal from a central position 20 yards out with relatively a clear sight at goal was something you can't really turn down. And It was disappointing he didn't hit the target and make the goalkeeper work. And the obvious chance would have been uh, was... Iniacho's at the end, where he completely fluffed his lines. Imagine if he scored the headline writer's dream in terms of his poor season of former Man City player. But he horribly skewed it wide when he could have possibly took a, taken a touch, didn't realise where the goal was. It was a, a typical effort for someone just woefully out of form. And, and, and we won't discuss him because we, we, we'll talk about him in our end-of-season roundup in our next episode and in terms of the future of, of, of players uh, when we go through the entire squad and how they've done and what we what we think will possibly happen with them. But it was a guilt edge chance and, and that was the one chance I kept on saying I was down the local with a lot of Liverpool fans and fans of other clubs who didn't want them to win or wanted Man City to win, etc. In fact, it was only me and there was an assault, one other Leicester fan down there and um, and and I kept on saying there's going to be one chance. You know, most games like that, there's always that one chance for the opposition, even when Man City went to Burnley. And they won 1-0. Burnley still have one or two slight half chances late on. But I kept saying, let's still create one chance. And that was it. And uh, he skewed it horribly wide. It was a, But overall, a really good performance. Uh, there was, I think there was one or two. And I'm, I know I'm a big critic of, of Madison and some, some aspects of his game. But again, the being pushed off the ball or easily dispossessed on certain occasions 
came to the forefront in the game. It wasn't his best, but that's just a side of his game that he needs to develop, maybe strength-wise. I keep on referring to how Chilwell put on a stone or so in weight over the, the summer, last summer, and he, he develops physically as well as his game. And I think that would really help Madison. It it just sh- it showed a bit. And I, didn't, I don't think it helped that uh, Tillemans just wasn't quite at the races as well as we've seen him. But these are very minor criticisms but when you're playing against one of the best sides in the world then there you go they they do get shown up slightly more but we've said before the game that we, we would like Leicester and I I'll, went on a few podcasts and stations and this and the other saying that when Leicester won the league there was that moment with Hazard and his goal and it wouldn't it be nice if a Leicester player did it for another another team it doesn't matter who it was or in regarding what circumstances but if it was a Vardy brilliant strike, that's remembered as one of the moments that won the title for you know Team X or whoever. Unfortunately, Leicester will be there, but it was in the wrong circumstances because it was the company 30-yarder. A fantastic, oh, what an amazing goal. And as you said, unbelievable. But what a goal. And, and from him as well. I, I always looked at the defenders because obviously we, you know, we're Leicester and everything. Could they have closed him down? Chowdhury, who had a, a fantastic game, N- not really, <laughs> because again, they're sitting on the edge of the area, going, "Look, we've we, we've got two banks here of defenders of, of of our defensive unit that's done very well, and it's Vincent Company, and he's still thirty yards out. If he then takes another touch, yes, he would have got closed down, but go on, have a shot from there, and it just well, I mean." It can fly into the top corner, but grazing off the underside of the bar. It reminded me of a performance and a goal straight away as soon as it happened. As much as it, I had a bit of a grin on my face to say, well, there you go. You can't do a lot about that. It reminded me of Frank LeBeouf scoring a goal for Chelsea against Leicester in the late 90s at Stamford Bridge. I think Peggy had was in goal, who had a great game that, that day. It was 0-0, and in the I think it was the 90th minute, even injury time, he just strode forward and leathered it from 40 yards in the in, into the top corner. Nothing you can do about it. It just brought that flashback to my uh, in my memory. What can you do? And that goal is going to be replayed for years and years to come. And I won't be one of those fans who look at it and go, oh, you know, it was against Leicester and kind of tut and that. I'll look at it and go, yeah, we, you know, we, we were a minor part of history and we played really well. I'll try and remember the positives, really. It won't be a, a negative seeing that goal, I don't think. No, it would have been nicer if the, if we'd have had our own actual part to play in the title race. But yeah, if Ma- if Manchester City do go, do go on and win the Premier League this weekend, then that goal will be seen for decades and decades because just because of everything that it meant you know this title race being one of the best in in history really one of the closest uh, and of one of the highest standards look liverpool are set to come second in the premier league losing one game all season it's absolutely ridiculous but then you know what vincent company stands for he's been at the club since really before the money took over so so he's not one of these players that they've spent ridiculous amounts of money on to, to bring into the team he's captain the team he's been he's had faith kept with him by so many managers despite the fact that every joint in his legs is made out of glass uh, and you know I've always respected him as a as the way that he carries himself as a person and as a footballer um 
so I think it in terms of if you had to write it, it was very, very poetic, the fact that it was a centre-back. If it had scored a header, it still would have been, oh, yeah, the captain steps up to score the crucial goal, blah, 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 blah. But the fact that he's absolutely thunder-blasted it from 35-odd yards, then it just makes it all the better, doesn't it? And, and the fact that he came out in the press conference after and said... All the all the young players around me were saying not, saying not shoot, but I've been around the block long enough to know to ignore them. Um, could we have closed him down quicker? Absolutely, I think we could. But I think anybody else on that pitch would have been closed down quicker. But because it was the tough tackling, big heading Vincent Company, and because Manchester City tend to like to tick attacker it all the way into the penalty area and slot one in to the bottom corner after about fifty million passes. And the fact that Leicester had closed down absolutely everything else. I mean, the amount of blocks that they put in on Monday night was... was Obviously, I didn't count them, but a lot. Um, so they could have been forgiven for being a bit leggy. But yeah, just everything about that goal. I just want to go back quickly to what you said about Madison Pete. I mean, if he buries that bottom corner from the edge of the penalty area, then it was the right decision. If he, uh, But the fact that he put it wide, most people would say it was the wrong decision. But... Your man's wearing number 10 for Leicester. We'll get on to the fact that he's one young player of the season. It's his first season in the Premier League. He's massively a confidence player. And if he he is a person, if he starts declining those opportunities, then he loses the edge of swagger that his play and his level of performance is so dependent on. So I would much rather him keep going for that because we've I think we've seen in someone like Damari Gray for example the fact that he now refuses basically to take on fullbacks is because over time he started doing it more and more to the point where it's his first thought now is to check back rather than have a go at the fullback so if Madison's first thought when he gets a bit of space on the edge of the box becomes less and less to have a shot and more to play a safer pass because it's the in inverted commas right option then he loses that that element of his game. And I, and I think he heavily relies on that because physically he's terrible. And I think Tielemans was absolutely blowing as well. I don't know if he was if there was something up with him, but those two, I'd love Tielemans obviously at the club next season, but I think those two, like you say, need to do a chill well. And even Gray. Gray, I think, got better physically in his second and third years at the club. Uh, I think they could do with finding a way to make sure that they are at peak physical condition for the whole of the 90 minutes. I agree, and I think that's one thing that uh, Brendan Rodgers will do. He's well known as being very heavy on the fitness side of things, and he will address that in the summer, every confidence. So that's the game against Man City, and we now take on Chelsea on Sunday, the last game of the season. They will probably be... See, I, I can't quite remember whether they're actually... They're guaranteed, actually, aren't they? Top four. They are guaranteed top four, yeah. Um, they've got the European semi-final against Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League. They're 1-1 from the first leg. So there's a possibility um, of Chelsea turning up at the King Power. They've already sealed the top four place and they could be in the final of the Europa League. So it could be an amazingly relaxed atmosphere in terms of Leicester, in terms of Chelsea, which could make for a very attractive game and maybe a slightly different opposition in terms of first team. I wouldn't say... Chelsea maybe resting one or two of their bigger names would be a detriment to their chances because I think they've got such a big good side and some players who maybe should have been playing uh, a lot this season anyway than, uh, than than some of the ones that they've already got and, and have been playing. 
Uh, I'm actually quite a quite a fan of the manager. I think he's put up with an awful lot of rubbish this year. It's a it's it's not a nice club. Let's put it right. Fans aren't are, are horrible. Um, the owners, you know, dodgy beyond belief, and they've got some or had some players in the past who were very easy to hate for for a multitude of reasons, and, and also managers as well. Uh, but I quite like this guy. He, he seems to have got his own way of going about things, and which seems to be the best best way of playing football, a, a good style of football, and. Uh, He's uh, he's taken a lot of flack from left, right, and centre, but we'll see what happens on Sunday because I don't think there's a lot we can actually preview because it's just I think it might be a very open game. We'll, we'll find out what happens on Sunday. It's the the last game of the season and, and a nice way, a good team, good game to 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 bow out this year, and it's all about looking for next season in terms of Leicester, and uh, and yeah, it, it should be a good occasion. Yeah, it'll be interesting actually. Um... To see what the what the style of game is like, because Chelsea, I mean, if Chelsea finished third and won the Europa League, or even third in the Europa League final, in this season where um, it's obviously a manager getting to grips with the league, getting to grips with a squad and a style of play, um, you'd you'd have to say that's a good, that's a good season for them, especially when the fact that nobody else in the Premier League's been anywhere near City and Liverpool. Chelsea to finish third would be great, and. You know, a lot of people have talked about how rigid Sarri has been in his uh, approach and how limited some of the players have looked at times. But it might be on Sunday that the shackles are off a little bit and they play a little bit more freely, which I think will play absolutely into our hands because we can, as we've proved on Monday night, we can soak that up, but we can also have the quality to punish them going the other way. What I'm interested to see is if Brendan Rodgers gives a farewell outing of any kind to some departing players, which I guess is an unintentionally uh, nice segue into the next part of the podcast, really. Um, They're players that we haven't seen an awful lot of, haven't played a minute under Rodgers. Maybe Shinji Okazaki's come off the bench once or twice. But, you know, Okazaki and Simpson confirmed now by Leicester City to be leaving the club at the end of the season. Okazaki's was more or less confirmed a couple of weeks ago anyway. Um, and I think it's not unexpected for Danny Simpson either. But, you know, you saw for Chelsea, for example, their, their last home game, Gary Cahill came on for the last minute and popped the captain's armband on. Now, he's been at Chelsea um, a long while and, and has captained them and has won quite a lot with them. Do you, do you envisage anything similar happening for Simpson and Okazaki, or I mean, I mean, it depends what what how Brendan Rodgers wants to play it. Does he want to be sentimental in that sense, or does he actually want to say no? Well, the squad I want to put out is this is still a competitive game where I can start make continue making plans for next season and for the summer. Does he just give them? put them on in their suits and put them on before the match and give them a presentation or does he give them one last run out? What do you think? It's difficult with with Chelsea and Cahill who I think he's got the record or maybe not just a record. He's won everything that he can win. I think at a club at Chelsea. I think he, he'd won the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League, Europa League. I think he'd done all of them. Um, and, and an underrated player in their history. But with it's difficult because there's two players so if there's one player, you can bring him on at the end. You can always save that one sub. I think they will go with the intention of trying to do that. But depending on what happens during the game, maybe a couple of players go down injured, then it might not work out that way. I think it's easier for 
Okazaki to come on because he can play anywhere in those three places behind Vardy or actually in place of Vardy. So there's four players that can come off and Okazaki then, then can come on and it won't affect the team in terms of shape because if he comes on for, let's say, Harvey Barnes, possibly, who's out wide, then Madison can maybe drift slightly further out wide and then Okazaki can drop in behind Vardy as per usual. So it's easier for him. Simpson, it would be just be a like-for-like replacement for Ricardo Pereira. So it's 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 that's the only place. And I think that it would be easy. And I think we might see Okazaki earlier than, than possibly Simpson. But I'd imagine that would be the plan. And we've always said that when the two players or when players leave Leicester who were part of that team, and not even the team, but the squad, but these two were part of the first team that everyone will be able to rally off in decades to come. And we'll give them their dues now. Both have played a very similar amount of games for Leicester. I've got 131 for Simpson, Okazaki 128. Simpson signed 2014, and it was that game against Arsenal, the 5-2 home defeat, which signalled the end of all those goals at the start of the league-winning season. And then Ranieri brought him in for Richie Delatz to make it a more of a solid backline. That meant Simpson was the mainstay in terms of fullback for the Premier League winning side. And he was exceptional. His covering behind the centre halves, the bit of pace at the back, the solidness is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Being ultra solid in that right back position, not having to go forward, allowing Mares to flourish on the right to do his thing and say, look, you do your thing. Don't have to track back because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to go over halfway. A very level-headed player who knew his role in the side and performed it fantastically. You could not have wished for a more solid right back in that team. And he did his job perfectly. After that season, he still played an, a, a number of games all the way through the next season. Our Marty then came in towards the end of the following season for a while and then obviously Pereira has moved on that position immensely to the play, to the player that we've got now, the, the double award-winning Pereira, which we'll come on to at the end. And Simpson's uh, lack of game time has been purely because we're trying to advance the position rather than his own downturn in, in form, really. It's got nothing to do with him as a player and it's just it's time for him to move on. So he's played an awful lot of games for Leicester, he will be remembered as the guy who was brought in by Ranieri. And Ranieri's key switch that season, his key tactical change, uh, was solely around bringing Simpson in. And he'll go down in history as a complete legend at the club, which sounds strange for a fullback who never scored, but was just immensely solid in the best season of all time. And and uh, so, yeah, that's Danny Simpson. What do you, Anything more to add about him? Uh, not really, no. Just to echo your thoughts, I think um, I think every single look you can every Leicester fan can reel off the the typical starting eleven from from that cha- uh, the Premier League winning season, uh, and he obviously is one of those. So every single one of those eleven and a couple of the squad players as well, without doubt, have to be considered legends because we there were no passengers that season. There couldn't be any passengers that season. Everybody had such a crucial role to play in every single game. And as you say, look, Morgan and Hooth lacked 
serious mobility at the back. Simpson was always around the back on the cover. Some of the defensive headers he put in over the season were just incredible. Um, as you say, also, you always knew that the right-hand side was secure, even when Mares went a little bit wandering, because Simpson was there. And and he brought that. He, he was obviously an integral part of the spirit within the dressing room as well. You know, he was properly part of that, of the... I don't really know how to describe it. It's like the cool kids at school, really, isn't it? He was part of that core group of players that that clearly got on so well and that kind of had a knock-on effect onto how hard they worked for each other on the pitch. So, you know, nothing but praise for Danny Simpson. It's just the fact that, as you say, as a as a team, as a style of play and as a position in general, we needed to be more progressive and... That's not Danny Simpson's game and that is no slight on him whatsoever because he's a Premier League winning right back and will go down in in the history of the football club. And he will. And alongside him, Okazaki, we knew Okazaki was pretty much going. He wants to play in the next World Cup. He was signed for £7 million, uh, a fair signing really at the time in the summer before we won the league. Was he signed actually by Pearson and then... Ranieri came in. I think he was signed by Pearson, and um, and he was signed as a centre forward, but obviously played just off Vardy, and he he never played in his position properly. Once or twice, he he ventured there through Vardy being either injured or or suspended that season. Mainly, it was Ajara who was mainly the, the the top man, and then Okazaki working off him. And I've I I, I for the last two or three minutes before. Coming back to me, just trying to think of a few highlights for Okazaki. And for me, I remember his first goal that season, the second game against West Ham away. I was there at, at Upton Park, the final year at Upton Park, and he scored. He scored um, the winner at Goodison, I remember, when we went when we were top at Christmas. He scored when it was three, we won 3 2. But the overriding memory for him will always be the overhead kick against Newcastle when in the running at the end of the season, a 1-0 victory, but it was a fairly early goal in the first half at the family stand end. An, 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 an amazing goal, really. Quite an underrated goal, in a way. It's 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 one thing that does get kind of lost in the memory of that year. A massively important goal. But it showed that he had that quality, a good finisher, um, if he was played in the right position. I'd imagine if he was played as a number nine for Leicester and we didn't have Vardy and it was a different kind of set up then he still would have scored a, a fair amount of goals in the Premier League quite quick as well for his age over what five or ten yards very selfless player always had that smile on his face which is a very easy thing to say but that shows you just what a kind of a nice guy he is and and, and also the selflessness of him even though he's playing in the position that is not his favourite he took one for the team he was very good at getting fouls sometimes very theatrically could roll a player and go down and 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 maybe hold a play up if we were under the cosh or get us into a, an opportunity to then take a free kick into the penalty area. A decent passer. And he also scored a Champions League goal, scored against Bruges at home when we won 2-1. And we've tried to... And, the, and, and alongside Okazaki being one of those players who won the Premier League in that 11, he will also be probably remembered as the player that Leicester struggled to replace we tried to upgrade on Okazaki if you looked at that team how could you upgrade 
any of them. Well, Okazaki was one place that you probably would say, yes, there we go, you can get a better number 10. The likes of Musa, Soleimani, Iniacho, amongst a few others, were signed, and, and none of them really kicked on and, and replaced what Okazaki brought to the side. Vardy, you could understand, loved playing alongside him. The amazing amount of journalists who were sat in front of us at the King Power, um, all following Leicester, mainly because of Okazaki in the league-winning season, obviously, but since then they were all still there, and they will all... I, I presume disappear next season, so uh, there'll be there'll be a bit of a loss and um, and yeah, just I mean he scored nineteen goals in one hundred and twenty eight games. It's not the greatest record in the world, but he will go down as a player that every Leicester fan will have a soft spot because of obviously that title winning year. But they'll have a soft spot for Okazaki because you just can't fail to not like him. And I think also opposition fans will probably feel the same if you ask a United fan or. A, a Portsmouth fan or a Port Vale fan, what about Shinji Okazaki? They'll go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they'll they'll say, yeah, what what a what a kind of a nice player. Do you know what I mean? You know that sort of uh, that sort of nice guy of football. Yeah, the thing with Okazaki is, did we rely on him for our goals? Uh, for his goals? No, absolutely not. We relied on him as uh, one of the focal points of our hard working. Uh, quick to recycle uh, team. That's that's how we won the Premier League. We won the ball back and move and quickly, and moved it forward quickly. And he was uh, a big part of that. He epitomised everything we were about that season and and beyond. Look, we've always said on this podcast, you can come to Leicester City as a player and lack serious technical ability, but as long as it's clear that you're out there on that pitch and you're putting in 100% every single game and the fans can see that, then you'll always win win their hearts. And did Okazaki score as many goals as he could and probably should have? No. Did that really detract from how much we enjoyed watching him in a Leicester shirt? Absolutely not, because he was almost like a little terrier, wasn't he? And he was always around there. What, what a job he did on so many quality defensive midfielders because he just wouldn't leave them alone. And most of them were twice his size. You know, you're talking big lads. I can even remember him up against people like Pogba and Matic, you know, six foot something giants, twice as wide, twice as tall as Okazaki. He'd always be there buzzing around their heels, stopping somebody sitting deep in in an opposition midfield and just moving the ball around. Uh, he won the ball back so many times. Some good link-up play, as you say, some memorable goals as well. Um, and he just looked like he enjoyed himself all the time. Whether it was a grimace or a smile on his face, I'm never entirely sure. Because one man can't smile that much. But he was just just struck me as a really positive, high-energy individual on and off the pitch. And again, even if you just go back to him being in that 11-man Typical starting lineup of the Premier League winning season, legend of the club, but for for so many other reasons as well, he'll be he'll be remembered. Absolutely, and and hopefully we get to see him on the pitch on Sunday, and the same for Simpson as well. It'd be nice, possibly. You never know; it might even start, but um, I, I I very much doubt it. But one player who will be there next year, who we might have been saying, and another who's leaving the club, and it's been announced. But no, actually, a new one year deal, which was rumored uh, over the last few days. For Christian Fuchs, Rogers mentioned the fact that he wants him to stay for another year. 
Now, there's a million ways you can look at this. You can look at Christian Fuchs as, A, the player he is, very good, sensible player, and a person who trains hard and is a good team squad member. You can look back on the game against Burnley away, where he came on and played and played very well, and I think Rodgers might have looked at him and gone, hang on, he is a very good defender and we could really do with him next year, even if it's just for that one year. Uh, and then you can maybe put the old uh, tinfoil hats on and go, well, hang on, is holding on to him a possible kind of look towards maybe Chilwell, who a lot of people have put two and two together and probably got seven when Chilwell and Pep Guardiola were talking at the end of the game. Is it a reason that actually if Chilwell goes, then we can't afford to lose two left-backs? Possibly, you know, that's that's one way of looking at it. And we'll find out in the long run what actually the case is. But a new one-year deal for the Goal of the Season award winner. I just think, and I'm pretty sure you're going to say exactly the same thing, there's literally nothing wrong with this absolutely whatsoever in terms of the player, the person and the length of just the one-year deal, basically. No, there are zero negatives to this deal. I'm actually really pleased about it because it was always known to be his intention to be finishing with Leicester this summer. He's got business ventures and fam. I, th- I believe his family's still living in New York. So it's been quite obvious if you follow him on social media that he's travelling between uh, Britain and, and America quite often. And I think everybody thought, including probably Christian Fuchs before Brendan Rodgers came in, thought that he would be going over to America, possibly play for a couple of years in the MLS, which he'd be absolutely more than capable of doing so, uh, and developing his his business and maybe even coaching out there um, going forward. But no, I can't see a single negative reason. And I've not even looked at it from that point of view. That's the first I've really considered of the fact that um, is Chilwell possibly on the move? I think, right, if you look at the Leicester squad, at no point when we've been talking about where does it need strengthening have we talked about left back. And I think that keeping Christian Fuchs for another season means that Brendan Rodgers can focus on key areas of recruitment, as discussed on previous podcasts. We won't get into it now because we're over half an hour deep into this one and, you know, we can talk about it all day. But if you now got Christian Fuchs for another season and Chilwell is here, he's under contract, he's enjoying his football, he's playing really well, then you don't ha- you, you can leave left back alone. It's not an issue whatsoever because you find me a more dependable um, cover at left back than Christian Fuchs. He's proven in the odd bit of game time that he's had this season that he's still up to the level. I think technically he's an excellent footballer. And I think technically there's still a fair bit that Chilwell could learn from him. I mean, if you could put Fuchs's technique with Chilwell's athleticism, you would have an unbelievable left back. So uh, Fuchs and Chilwell, I'm not sure, I don't know how well they get on, but you'd imagine that Chilwell would have learnt a lot from Fuchs as previously his understudy and now the person that's taken over the left back slot um, at, at first choice, certainly. But also... Brendan Rodgers may well, we don't know what these tactical changes that he's hinted at in the summer might be. If we play three at the back, Christian Fuchs is more than capable of playing the left side of a of a back three. And as you say, as a person, as a, a member of a squad, he is so, so positive. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant image for the club. He's a brilliant ambassador for professional footballers. 
I I think he's an absolutely I've never met him but he seems to be a properly top bloke and his football is still at a level don't get me wrong I wouldn't want him playing week in week out and playing 38 games I don't think um, of a Premier League season I don't think he's got that in him but it means that we can be very very happy with what we've got at left back and focus on other areas where you might say ah yeah but we've got a backup player there as well but those backup players aren't of good enough quality and I think if you're looking at a squad overall you want two quality players in each position Fuchs staying means that we have two quality left backs um, and Rodgers can look elsewhere. I think if Rodgers sat down with Fuchs and said, would you mind staying another year? And Fuchs went, well, yeah, go on then. I, I, I can't see any negatives whatsoever. I think it's a very astute move actually by Rodgers. I do. I think that Christian Fuchs was nailed on to, have, to be leaving at the end of the season. I think this is all Rodgers. I think Rodgers over the last, and also it's taken until now for it to be announced I think he's basically just wanted him to stay and I think he would have left if Rodgers was not in and it's all down to the manager, I think, and maybe Christian Fuchs has had to sort out his own uh, family and and business or or whatever the case was. Um, But I I think this is all down to the manager wanting the player and the player eventually saying yes. So that's, um, again, good news, as, as, as you mentioned. Now, the final two things... We've mentioned Fuchs with the uh, awards. The awards, so I'll just quickly run through. Uh, the award night was last night, the, which was Tuesday, uh, the day after the Man City game. Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year, the same person, uh, Ricardo Pereira, which was probably uh, not a surprise to many. I, I think um, Vardy and Madison were also there with a chance. I think probably Vardy alongside Pereira. I think if it went to either of those, you would not argue, but a very good first season. He's developed in terms of learning the Premier League. There was a few iffy games at the start with regards to his defensive work. And even now, I think occasionally, I think it's I think it's more position-wise. Because he's very quick, whether he just always thinks he can get there. But if you look back to, say, the Bournemouth game a few weeks ago, a game where they had a couple of quick players, Fraser gave him a real tough time in the first half in a game where... Bournemouth were very poor, but he kind of exposed the one weakness of Pereira, and that is his defending. In terms of position, that would be my uh, one thing. Maybe he just needs to work on that more, which is he's a young player. Well, of course he's going to do. But going forward, he is a winger. He's so good. And he's, the one thing that I'm impressed with, and it's something that we definitely highlighted early on, he looks to be completely on board with the situation i.e. he puts the most amount of effort in than you can as a footballer and you can see that even though he's a very good player and some players who are very good sometimes look like they're not really trying but Pereira he gives it his all he's very good in the air for a small man and he just gives 100%. And when going forward especially, that 100% can be rewarded with some stunning runs into the penalty area, some very good crosses and some amazing goals like we saw at home against Man City. And I think this guy who was bought for a lot of money has just improved, improved, improved and is one player in our side which you look at the current state of the team, you could not actually improve it with another signing. I I can't believe that Leicester would be able to buy another fullback who would come to Leicester 
who would improve on what we have. We have a, a real, real star on our hands. I absolutely agree. And I think based on all of those points, you could put forward the argument that he is one of Leicester's best ever big money signings. I know we're only in um, a relatively new luxurious era where we've got money to spend on players but I think you're absolutely right I don't think any more money could have been spent on any player that could play at a higher level certainly not that would want to be at Leicester City and I think players wanting to be at a club does have an impact on the level of performance that they can put put in he seems to really enjoy it here um, he has, as I throw back to what I was saying about Okazaki, he gets through some serious work on the football pitch. And you know what? If he has the odd defensive lapse, especially as we know, uh, and the Leicester fans that are more informed have looked into his background and seen that he got converted from a, a right winger to a right back, um, you can forgive him the odd defensive lapse for the industry that he offers you up and down that wing all game long, but also for the attacking options that he gives you he he's he squared it for uh for Vardy after he, he beat a couple of players in the in the win against Arsenal and got himself into the box to square it for Vardy nice and easy as you say he scored against Man City he seems to be a real positive person and again I, I don't think Leicester can uh, is a club that can afford to carry egos and he seems to have slotted right in with the team spirit um and I would, you know what, I'd love to see if if Brendan Rodgers wanted to play wing backs, I would love to see Ricardo Pereira as a right wing back because I just think that'd be ideal for him. I don't think he's got enough about him to play right wing every single week, um, and equally, you know, the odd defensive frailty here or there could be more easily patched up if he was playing wing back, but. What what a season, you know. He's not even. I don't. We have talked about him on this podcast, but he's not it, because we we've become accustomed very quickly to expecting a high level of work rate and performance from him. You know, Ricardo steps on the pitch. You're going to get an eight and a half and an or a nine out of ten pretty much every game. He's kind of gone not under the radar, but we haven't talked about him as much on the podcast as maybe his performances have deserved. So when it came through the news last night that he won both the awards, not a surprise by any stretch of the imagination, but you kind of go, oh yeah, he has had a fantastic season. And he said it himself, he said some players struggle to adapt to the Premier League first season, so I was keen to work as hard as I can to make sure that I was at the expected level straight away. Um, and he has been, and more, and a season of Premier League football under his belt, I think we can look forward to him being even better next season, which is a really, really positive prospect. I can as well. And the Young Player of the Year, which was pretty much nailed on to be Madison Barnes, came with a bit of a wet sail, obviously, after coming back from his loan from West Brom. But it was going to be Madison. We've discussed him already, and we've, we discuss him quite a lot and there's a lot to like about Madison in terms of next season. Again, another player who just progress and progress, and we've already spoken about how. And it, it, again, he's a, he's a player that we 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 discuss quite a lot. So I think we can almost bypass that award. But well done to to James Madison, and the goal was was Christian Fuchs, and the goals that were up for the award. There was the goal for Pereira against Man City. There was the uh, home to Watford from Madison where he did the juggling act, which was an amazing goal. Fantastic goal. But 
I look back on Fuchs's goal and it's the height of his boots that he got over the ball from about six foot in the air and then got the power and the way it fizzed in, it's not just your volley from outside of the box that flew into the top corner. It was the athleticism and to, to cut down over the ball and get the... Oh, it, was, it, it was goal of the season. For me, it, it was just... A lot of people might go possibly the Madison goal because of the the skill and, and the juggling. And also, got, I've not really seen a goal like that that a Leicester player scored. It was a very, very different goal that we've not maybe had the player who could do that possibly but and then the goal for Pereira a very important goal against the champions elect and and a fast, fantastic goal in its own right but for me I I think Fuchs would have been my goal of the season and I'm quite glad he got it because what a great goal and and I was there as well yeah it got my vote as well and the, I think just for technique alone if you look at a goal just based on that it was absolutely incredible and again I mentioned Fuchs's technique a few moments ago when we were talking about him signing a new one-year deal technically he's an excellent footballer that left foot of his is full of quality Um, there was one other goal I think that was in the running and that was Damari Gray's goal away at Cardiff you know the first game after um, the passing of of Kumvichai Uh, and I mean if you're going for goals that mean something then yes Absolutely, uh, for me, goal of the season. No other goal has meant more this season, I don't think, than that one. Um, but in terms of technical ability, uh, it had to be Fuchs's goal. And finally, something which every Leicester fan kind of looks forward to and every fan of their team looks forward to. Nowadays, I think it's slightly dim- diminished with the fact it's every year and there's a million of them. I think there's three goalkeeping kits this year. and uh, But it is the new kit was released and you can buy it online, I presume, and I've not seen it in the shop. But it's a slight checks. There's, there's, there's checks kind of imprinted, uh, light and blue checks. Uh, you've got the gold Adidas three stripes on the sleeves, which it kind of echoes slightly the league winning kit. If you look at the league winning kit and this kit alongside each other, different makes, but it has that gold um, instead of white. Back to the white shorts, which is the big change because we've had all blue kits since actually that league winning side was the first time if you remember that the um the great escape year was white shorts and then we changed to all blue so back to the white hopefully that's not a sign of things to come but white shorts and i think with blue socks so it will have a different look to the side but uh, i'm quite happy with it it looks it looks quite nice uh, i think some people may may have wanted the whites on the adidas on the sleeves but you know what do we know do you know what i mean it's another kit and it's going to be uh, like that every single year, but yeah, it's not horrible. It's uh, an out, out of ten for the kit, if that's the sort of thing. I don't know, eight. I quite like it, really. Yeah, I'd agree. It's 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 a pretty solid kit, isn't it? I mean, I've I've I used to get more excited about kits, and I think that was probably because they were released uh, less frequently than once a year, and were probably priced in a range where I could have afforded to buy one or at least ask for one for a birthday or a Christmas present you know but yeah white short I I guess if you if you had to ask football fans what traditionally what colours do Leicester play and they'd probably say blue shirts white shorts blue socks so in that sense it's quite nice to go back to the traditionalist did I hate blue 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 absolutely not um 
blue white blue is is something a little bit different uh yeah the kit's fine if you had to rate it out of 10 7 8 <laughs> not <laughs> can you tell i'm not really that bothered <laughs> well that's the thing it's as long as it's not horrible i think a lot of people look at a new kit and go look if it's horrible oh dear but uh, no it's, it look, looks fine i agree with the white shorts i do like that it's that's how we've always looked and it was weird against man city that we had blue shorts blue shirts and white socks we look like Chelsea. It looked like the Chelsea kit, basically. But there we go. I don't know quite know why we couldn't play in. I don't know our black away kit. That surely would have been the option. The same kit that we won three one away in the league winning season. It's not too dissimilar. I can't understand quite why they 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 didn't use that. But never mind. Um, yeah. So there we go. Um, that's the podcast. I can't think of anything else really. We have got the Chelsea game coming up, and we will find out. With the Chelsea game, it's going to be just a party atmosphere. Birch's run, uh, final games for Simpson and Okazaki, a chance for a win over Chelsea, which is always good. I think it could be a very high-scoring game. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of like a late Leicester win to make it three-two or something like that. That's how, that's how I can I can see it. Uh, Vardy needs two to get twenty goals. That for me would be the the crowning glory. Vardy getting getting a couple would be fantastic. Getting that twenty goals. Uh, that that to me is what I'm going to the game for. I want him to get that 20 goal a season, which I know is a kind of a, a, a thing of mine, always having that 20 goal striker, but that will make it three times in his career for Leicester that we've uh, he scored 20 goals or more in the Premier League. So I'm looking at that and it's hopefully going to be a really good day and who knows what else could happen in the Premier League with regards to the title win and with regards to Europe and all sorts. I mean, Kraki O'Reilly, the game last night, we're not really going to mention it, but... Good, blimey. <laughs> did you watch it? I did, yeah. And I think all all t- that is to say about that, apart from pray for Jamo, because I've not heard from him today, friend of the oh, podcast, no. Stephen James, no, no Liverpool fan. Nobody's heard from him. He's gone nope. underground somewhere. He's probably still celebrating and just ran out of phone battery because he's not been home. Um, I think all you can say about that is, regardless of who you support um, and what you think of Liverpool, football is fantastic. 